Hi. I'm sorry? I just said hi. Hi, hello. Hi. Okay, if I sit closer? How far are you going? Uh, Rockville Center. Get out. Me too. Really? What are the odds? Do I know you? Do you ever shop at Barnes and Noble? Sure. That's it. Yeah. I've seen you, man. Book slave there for like five years now. Oh. Jesus. I would thought I would remember five you. Years? It might be the hair. What might? It changes a lot. The color. That's why you might not recognize me. It's called Blue Ruin. Right. Snappy name, huh? I like it. Anyway, this company makes a whole line of colors with equally snappy names. Red, Red Menace, Yellow Fever, Green Revolution. Gotta be a job, coming up with those names. You think there could possibly be a job like that? I mean, how many hair colors could there be? 50, maybe. Someone's got that job. Agent Orange. I came up with that one. I apply my personality in a paste. Oh, I doubt that very much. Well, you don't know me, so... You don't know, do you? Sorry. I was just trying to be nice. Yeah. I got it. To the Cinema 9 podcast featuring three men who talk about film, who have reached a certain age where they just don't care anymore, and they're willing to open up to you as an audience. Thank you for joining us on the Cinema 9 podcast. I'm Michael Govier. I am joined by my two co-hosts, as always, Travis Roy, no longer in Brighton, Michigan. If you haven't been following the show, now available in Hazel Park, it's a brand new edition of you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm large and in charge in Hazel Park, Michigan, um, and uh, and I'm doing real well. You know, it's been a real nice week for for me personally. For for I think America, it's been a, it's been a good run. I'm doing well. It's been a good run for America. That's all right. Cool. Congratulations, America. Eric Branstrom, live from Griffith, Indiana. 
But you're muted. Patrick. Patrick is muted. Hey. You are muted. Now you're unmuted. I want to start the show by apologizing to, apologizing to legendary actor Warren Beatty. Um, wow. We'll talk about it later, but I watched Bonnie and Clyde the other night. Oh, Warren yeah. Beatty's fucking awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. It is. Yeah. That's a classic. It's been We gave him a lot of shit, though. We were like, why is this guy an actor? And the proof is in the pudding. Watch a movie like that. He's out of sight. Eh, You know, even a broken clock, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I I think that he was the right guy for the role. But uh, there may have other people could have probably done that role pretty well or better at the time, I think. I mean, um, Jack Jack Nicholson probably could have really done well with that. Who else in that time? Redford would would have nailed it. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, he Thoughts. was younger and, you know, motivated and probably did give, I mean, it's and, a different well connected. I mean, that's kind of like my, my gripe with, with him is that, you know, he comes from a prestigious acting family, uh, he does. Ne- never really had the chops to back it up in my opinion. Yeah. For those that don't know, his sister is Shirley MacLaine. So there you go. Yeah. I watched a Shirley MacLaine movie this week myself. Oh, well, we're going to hear about it. Cause it's a cinnamon <laughs> iPod, cinnamon iPod, a protonmail.com, cinnamon iPod and all your favorite social medias. We currently have an exciting little, uh, game of listener choice. Yeah. A new version, the updated 2021 edition, which is also a retro version all at the same time. Travis, why don't you tell people what's going on with that? Well, well, back in the day, we used to play a version of a game that was basically a process of select or, uh, you know, process of elimination kind of game. Everybody would go in and like pick out a bunch of movies uh, one by one. We would go through and each take a turn rejecting those movies until we decided which movie we were going to watch. So we posted that on Facebook and every day. Uh, thank you to everyone who is participating and playing. Really, truly appreciate it. Couldn't do it without you. It would be really weird, and we wouldn't actually. Be able to yeah. I was like, I was kind of worried about the timing too, because it was like a thing where it's like, is this going to get, you know, is this way too early in advance, or is it going to be planned out right? But I think we'll 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 select our our next film just in time for next episode, Mike. So uh, we'll do yours next episode, and then you'll be able to announce what the next one is after that. So that's very exciting. You do me, I'll do you. Sounds good. Let's do it. Fuck you. Fuck me. Yeah, all right. So Cinema 9 Pod on Facebook page. We get a lot of action going on there. Vote. uh, Remove. It's more of a removal process than anything. So take a movie out, you know. Eric Branch took out Mallrats. But, you know, just because you take a movie out doesn't mean it's not going to come back to bite you later on. So just I think a lot of them, yeah, I think a lot of them on the list are likely to come back in. I mean, we like uh, like Wag the Dog was rejected today by friend of the show Chris Deary, and I'm like, that's fine because all three of us, I think, have talked about it doing that on this show at some point. So there's a good chance it's going to come up. So I'm not too worried. It's always a yeah. challenge because you get movies like, for me personally, something like as good as it gets or The Fugitive that are, I mean, are just stained on your heart. I mean, there's you run into situations where it's like, I'm just going to be lauding it. And just, I, I don't know where to, how to attack it at, at every level, just because it's a part of me. Is that the show we attack movies? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Warren Beatty though, you know, he was vetted <laughs> over 13,000 women in his day. God damn. Well, congratulations, Warren. I mean, every, as long as they were all consensual, I have no problem with that. So. I mean, Wilt still has him beat, I would assume. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, well Wilt's out there. Hey, Wilt, Wilt never did. Uh, Wilt never did um, Bullworth. At least we can say that about. Him. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, just, the points just keep on racking in his favor. Well, Bullworth was a mistake. We all make mistakes, and 
I think if he apologizes for Ballworth, then maybe we can forgive Warren Beatty. Yeah, I don't let's think start a hashtag like 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 to to try and cajole Warren Beatty into like giving a public apology for Bullworth. Like <laughs> I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> let's be honest. When's the last time we saw Bullworth? All of us. Uh, I don't know, but I feel like it's going to come up with the fucking I show. Justice for Warren. Hashtag maybe, Justice for Warren. Yeah, maybe I'm pretty it, sure you know, I saw it about four years ago. I, I was like, oh, I remember this movie, Bullworth. I didn't really remember it, so I, I watched it, and I was like, oh. Well. Hallie, right? Hallie Berry in that one? I believe. <sighs> she's so gorgeous. What a beautiful woman. It's amazing. She does not Some, age. Someone say she's an attractive woman. She doesn't age. It's bizarre, man. It's I not know all about Cla- looks, though, Mike. I mean, she's a really talented actor as well. well she's an Academy Award winning actress, yes. Oh, yeah. But that goes without saying. Monsters Ball. Maybe we'll do Monsters Ball at the end of the show. Stay tuned. <laughs> you never know what my choice is going to be. Right now, there are several choices up in the air, so I could just go. I'm feeling like, feeling kind of uh, rebellious today, and I might make it really stupid and dumb, so we'll see. All right. All right. But, you know, I might not, too. I might go with something that I would like to know does it hold up because this is the mission of the show do things hold up we want to know the truth and I believe very much in the spirit and the mission statement of Cinema 9 Pod having said that let's get to Travis because it's time for quarantine viewing picks Uh, Travis there's a rumbling that some people are unhappy with the way we do the order but you know I like this I like you go first and you kind of set the tone and we go around in circles Uh, we could switch the order up or something but I like how we do it how about you um. I, yeah, I like I like discussing it the way we do, and you know, people are welcome to, you know, skip if they don't want to listen to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, there's the thirty second or fifteen second button depending on your format. Right. Right. Um. So I I watched I watched a few movies this week as I tend to do. Um. The the Shirley MacLaine movie I watched was Being There. You know this this is a movie Hal Hal Ashby from 1979. It always looked so magical to me, and I kind of like oh, it's always kept it in my back pocket, like waiting for that right moment. I almost didn't want to watch it because I was afraid like it wouldn't live up to my expectations. I thought it was just going to be like Peter Sellers and Hal Ashby teamed up. Like I just didn't, like even as a kid, just the cover box. I'm like, this is going to be something amazing. And I just didn't watch it for 40 fucking years or whatever. <laughs> Anyways. So it was really nice. It was a lot more satirical than I was uh, expecting. Um, but it was, it was, it was a sweet movie and a perfect performance, you know, for or a perfect role for Sellers. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, I watched Spree, and um, I also watched Wild Mountain Time, both of which I wrote, wrote reviews for on our Instagram. But I was glad to watch uh, Sean Patrick's um, John Patrick Shanley's um, newest offering was definitely worth catching. Um, I, I'm going to skip some of the one. I'm not going to tell you everything I watched this time because I watched some crap, and it doesn't it's not, doesn't all work. Doesn't all bear talking about. I did watch uh, Becoming Mike Nichols, the last interviews that Mike Nichols did um, oh, before his death. Oh, wow. Which I, which Mike, I know you're a big Mike Nichols fan. Yeah, where's that at? It? It's on HBO Max. Oh and, shit! Okay, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's even if you're not like a huge Mike Nichols fan, I think it like if you're a, a fan of American pop culture. You know, if you just want, like, you know, if you just like want, hey, here's a titan of the industry who, like, um, you know, helped guide things often in his ways for like decades, like just talking about his craft and and like his and his friends and all this stuff. To, like, and again, like the last two interviews that he gave, so it's definitely worth worth catching. Does Do they talk about what planet are you from? <laughs> yeah, do we get the it didn't come up. It didn't come up. <laughs> no apology for what planet are you from? No. Like, right, we'll let it slide. 
Um, at friend of the show, Brian Madison's suggestion, I checked out The Witch, part one, The Subversion. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm going to back him up on this. I recommend this as well. It's not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be horror. If I dug a little deeper and seen like that it was um, – it's, it's directed by the same guy that wrote I Saw the Devil. Um, so I, I kind of maybe would have that, – that might prep you a little bit. But it's definitely worth catching. Very uh, fun action uh the very wild action movie. So I, I recommend that one. Um, my big, my big recommendation though, for the week. Oh, I'm sorry. I, there's two, two I want to talk about. I watched one night in Miami uh, in from, from 2020, which uh, Regina King directed. Yeah. Re- Regina King, you know, proves uh, to be a good actress director, which unsurprisingly, you know, that, you know, she's a, a clearly a talented woman. It's unsurprisingly, she's a good director as well. So, so that was, that was awesome. And this, uh, uh, what's it? Leslie Odom Jr., who played uh, um, Aaron Burr in uh, Hamilton. Burr, yeah, he he definitely yeah, Burr, sir. He definitely uh, impressed me in Hamilton, and he impressed me again in this as uh, playing the role of Sam Cooke. Just real standout performance. Um, Don't know movie, much about bags of weed. There you go, the, little Sam Cooke. Yeah, the movie itself was. Um, uh, was 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 pretty spot on, pretty good. Um, but uh, his performance, especially, I, I would recommend. But the the movie that really hit me the hardest was one I squeezed in between work and this uh, episode re- that we're recording right now. Uh, I watched 2018's Thunder Road, written, directed, and starring Jim Cunningham in like a, his premiere. Uh, like you, you you might not know this name. It's not, like, but you probably will. I, Is he like the guy from Donnie Darko? No, uh, in the night, like he's nobody. Like I mean, like like Cunningham was the was one of the name of the characters in in, in Donnie Darko. I don't think it was Jim Cunningham. Uh, I thought uh, it was the Swayze's character. Yeah, I was just fucking yeah. around. Anyway, um, so this movie has had like a lot of buzz building up around it. Like I've heard a lot of good things. I've seen it like on like I saw it on some people's like best of the you know twenty first century or best of last decade uh, list rather when uh, when you know the year was ending. Um, I don't know if I quite put it there, but ah. Uh, Movies that I thought of while watching it were like um, I thought of Rudderless, I thought of Love Liza, which are hard hitting movies. Um, but this movie doesn't hit nearly as hard as those. Like it's not like it doesn't take it's, it's not the emotional work that those movies are. So like, don't be scared that I'm comparing it to those movies because it, it it'll make you laugh too. But um, just a, an emotional powerhouse of a movie from a writer, director, star that we just don't really get a lot of that these days. These kinds of, uh, um, you know, these kinds of people, these kind of movies like the, like we did in the nineties and uh, man, I really could recommend it more. It's on Amazon prime. And those are the movies I watched. That is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I watched uh, love Liza a couple months ago. So. No way. Yeah. I hadn't uh, seen it since uh, one of my, 2005, six-ish, and I wanted to see it now that I've experienced a little bit more life. Uh, it's still Are downtrodden. You a huge fan of radio control. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten all about the part where he ends up buying the goddamn airplane and all that yeah. shit. That's oh, yeah, it's very wild. But uh, that's a good recommendation, Travis. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thunder Air- Road. Thunder yeah. Road and the lightning strikes. <laughs> Garth different, Brooks or Chris different, different Thunder Road. Oh, <laughs> Eric Branson, what does Griffith, Indiana, have to offer in movie going this week? Eric Griffith, I, I got a trial of Hulu, so I could just like burn through all of the stuff that I've been interested in, and I might stick with it because there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. I, I'm not blown away by the fact that they have like 
they have like like three or four ads like before every movie, and I'm paying for this service. So I don't know how I feel about that from a commerce point of view. I feel like I don't have those. I don't have ads in my Hulu. Yeah, every every time I watch well, a movie, I have to watch. There's the one where you pay for it, and there's ads, and then there's one where you pay even more, and there's no ads at all. Okay. So maybe look uh, at the tiers. That must be what the I have. Tiers. I yeah. Fuck. Uh, well, speaking of like difficult movies, and Lord knows. If you've got to do it huffing gasoline like five times in your feature 90-minute movie, Love Lies is a tough film to watch. And I, I took a look at a Lars von Trier film that my first – I've never seen any of this guy's movies. I've never seen Dancer in the Dark, Bjork. I've never seen uh, Dogville or Melancholia. I've heard that like he's this fucking weirdo and his movies are really bizarre, but I've never pulled the trigger until – Nymphomaniac? You never pleasured I, yourself? N- you know, I, I scroll past it once in a while, and there's some <laughs> – interesting imagery in there but i've never seen it. i watched uh, the house that jack built okay i couldn't Matt Dillon, uma thurman one of the only movies, only movies i've ever turned off it's a tough watch i fucking thought it was a masterpiece though and i know it's going to be a divisive film i was talking to a friend of the show chad he absolutely loved it too Dude, i mean it's hard scene, i couldn't the duck scene was uh, like i could yeah. you, can, you can kill people all fucking yeah. day you start torturing animals in your you movie i'm cutting out, ducks man. legs off and try, i mean yeah, I can I can totally see that, Travis. I mean, it for me like every like few years, I think it's kind of important to to see a movie like this just to give you. I mean, you don't have to do this to know that film can do more than you than just entertain. It can really provoke you emotionally, and I think it's kind of interesting every so often to look at a film that kind of does do that. And this one fucking pushes a lot of buttons, but it's also got a lot to say about psychosis and art and culture in very in a, in a weird amalgam that I'm not used to seeing. So for that reason, I recommend it. Huh. Um, I will just interject real quick to say please. that Thunder Road, you know, Thunder Road challenged me emotionally, and no humans or you know, there was like it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, again, like I like gore. You know, I'm not trying to judge the gore. Yeah. But like when it's just like this wanton, like seemingly, um, just like like, I, like like Devil's Rejects. I remember that's a movie I turned off as well. Like the, violence doesn't usually bother me in movies, but if it's just like depicted uber realistically and there doesn't seem to be consequence or lessons learned from it, then I just cannot. I can't get down with it. Yeah, but I mean. Anyway, I don't mean to stop all over you. No, 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 no. I mean something like Rob Zombie. This is a guy who straight up glamorizes violence, and I'm against that. Um, but yeah, I take your point for sure. I took a look at fucking framing John DeLorean. Mike, did you get a chance to check this out? No, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I definitely do want to watch it. I so, recommend it to me on Sunday, and I'm interested. I'm this very, has everything. Very much it has everything for you. 80s, big money, cocaine, <laughs> mega, mega maniacal uh, businessman. It's a really fucking interesting documentary. So John DeLorean, of course, created the famous DMC model vehicle from Back to the Future. But sure. I didn't. I never knew too much about the man. And he was involved with a story that's fucking straight out of a movie. And this documentary is told in an interesting way because you've got the people that were there. His kids are interviewed. And then it's kind of interspersed with this teleplay where Alec Baldwin plays John DeLorean. And he plays. he breaks the fourth wall and talks about like his personal experience knowing the man, this and that. An odd way to tell a story, but it, it's just different, and I definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. Fucking, uh, you know, it's a, it's cheesy, and it's been out there forever, but took a look at Places of the Heart from 1984, and this is a, just a beautiful, touching American story that I really liked. I'd never seen it before. Sally Field, John Malkovich, Danny Glover. Um, I did a double feature on Kristen Stewart. I'm a Kristen Stewart fan. I like most, of, most all of her work. Tremendous. Um, 
recently she's she seems a little checked out to me her early stuff for me and this this one i just love it's probably my pick of the week uh she was just so into it and so interesting speak all right i've been hearing some murmuring about this for a while and i finally got a chance to see it on prime 2005 uh film uh jessica Scharzer directs from her own uh book you got um Robert John Burke and Steve Zahn in great supporting performances. It's basically about a drama about a teenager who suffered sexual trauma, and she's trying to deal with that and uh, her school life. And, you know, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, that it's been a while since I've seen a movie that depicts high school in a way that's just, you know, not this or that, but um, in, in a way that, that interests me. Like I took, a, I took like half a look at that Easy A movie and I was like, I, I, I can't do this. Like, it's just so obnoxious. But if you're in a Kristen Stewart and you like a good drama, this is a fucking fantastic movie. I followed it up with Happiest Season. Personally, I didn't care for Happiest Season. I know a lot of people do. I was hoping for a little bit more than I found it a little perfunctory. But, um, you know, I appreciate Clea Duvall and just wasn't for me. Uh, after that news of the world with Tom Hanks, I fucking really enjoyed. I know Mike wasn't really interested in it, but I thought it was just a sweet old fashioned Western that I was entertained by. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that one out. But I just I, w- I went to go pull the twenty dollar trigger, and I was, and then yeah. I thought to myself, I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend twenty dollars on this, then I'll do Wild Mountain Time because I've been meaning to do it. that for a while. And actually, that the price had dropped to ten bucks on that, so it was. You can wait. You can wait. It's one of those that you don't really think about after a couple of days goes by, but it's a really well put together film. Paul Greengrass does great work in it. I haven't seen him lately. Well, they're always good, like you guys said. Greengrass and uh, Mr. Hanks are always good together, so that's a good combo. Um, it just looks like you described the typical kind of Western. I just wasn't feeling that right yeah. now, I guess. Wait for, uh, oh, and if I may, one more Vox Lux. Oh, it's fucking awesome. It's on Hulu. Natalie Portman, uh, Jude Law are unreal in it. Their performances are so fucking good. And it's such a bizarre movie with a very odd ending that I didn't expect. But I was I was hooked from, from almost start to finish. It reminded me a lot of John Glazer's work, Birth and Under the Skin. So uh, I definitely would recommend checking it out. Is this something that you guys had heard of? I didn't. I've never heard of this in my life until you posted it on Instagram a couple of days ago. Never heard, like, heard, heard of it. Okay, I'm like, how, I'm like, how does a fucking Natalie Natalie Portman movie come yeah. out and be out for years and I not hear yeah. of it? Check it out. I'd be interested. Jude Law in this. Jude Law is fucking doing the best work he's done in a few years. How am I not myself? Better. Okay, than, interesting. Better than Captain Marvel? I doubt it. I doubt oh. it. Well, check <laughs> it out. Laughable. <laughs> That's I, funny, I, Travis. I, Very impressive. I, I liked it with that. Wow. So Hulu's uh, had a big impression on you, Eric. I'm impressed, but I, I don't want to go to up, up up a tier just to get rid of these ads. I'm already paying like six bucks, but hey, such is life, man. You got to get your 10, entertainment. I, I pay 10 I, I think I get Showtime with it. I get something with okay. it. So. You get Showtime too? Yeah, I get I get something. I'm I'm getting something else with it. I can't remember what. Oh, it's a bundle. Uh, Damn, I hate to do this. I I rarely do this, but I got to tell you one more. Isle of Dogs. I've been holding out for for a couple of years because I didn't care for the Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I wasn't feeling it. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I was like Wes Anderson out. It's just like too quirky. And I I saw it, and I thought it was really fucking good. So I I kind of regret not seeing it a couple of years ago. Joel Frederick, friend of the show, just always lauds it and i thought it was really good seriously yeah i thought it's all right I mean, it's, but it's he's, he's got the wes anderson cranked up to 11 it's out of control every fucking case opens you got to get every description of the little fucking little toothpaste toothbrush thingamajig symbol in there it's all that shit Hoo-ah! 
Uh, I don't know if I would watch that movie because I didn't want to watch yeah. Fantastic Fox at all. But, you know, yeah. maybe I'll think of it all. It might surprise it's, you. It, it's funny that, like, because I mean, we're all fans of... of I know. Uh, and the, at the same time, like, all three of us are like, meh, to, like, to, to the um, animated stuff. And, and I, just, I, didn't, I didn't like Fantastic Fox, Mr. Fox. I didn't like Isle of Dogs. I just, uh, it's not like I hated them. I just found them, like... Um, it's so just much kind of cloying, you know. It's kind that's perfect. It's cloyingly quirky and so Wes Anderson. It's not even fucking funny, but yeah. that's it. Thank you. We we, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Eric Branch, and we appreciate that. This is such a crock of shit. <laughs> well, in my opinion, <laughs> I would like to Baird man. talk about <laughs> man. What the hell oh, that's that? a good one, Baird man. Shit, that's one yeah. I didn't get. Uh, all right, so. I watched movies. I watched, um, speaking of Kristen Stewart, I watched American Ultra and watched oh, it in a couple of years. Okay. I love it. And it's a, it. I didn't like it as much when I watched it. And Eric, Travis always loved it. And I went back and watched it. And I liked it a lot more this time. So yeah, that's, positive. So that's it's, positive. It's almost like uh, it's trying to be funny at times, but serious and a romantic escapade while, while having this commentary about how much... Uh, <laughs> absolute power there is in the government that all of the things that happened in that movie seem very plausible <laughs> for the most part weirdly so yeah, i mean they, they are kind of based in some you know it's based on the mk ultra program and well, that kind yeah. of stuff but i just love eisenberg kicking ass in this movie he's so like because he's just not an ass kicker um and to have him yeah. go all jason Bourne is like it's wild yeah that part of it still is like whatever i i, I could buy into it but you know, it's got Walton Goggins in it as Laugher, which is a, always a laugh. That's a good time. And what I found to be most bizarre to me was the fact that the excuse they use to get this whole kind of local war going on, a little battle, is a, a virus breaks out, a monkey virus. And, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And everyone freaks out, and they go to, you know, uh, Rose's place, played by John Leguizamo, and he's like, "You got the monkey virus!" They're all freaking out because they're seeing it on TV, and that is believable. Like a cover like that now, it just seems like, "Oh, geez, I guess that would maybe happen." So, anyways, uh, American Ultra, go back and check it out. Solid. If you don't like Kristen Stewart, don't worry. She, it's, it's not like she's not up in your Twilight biz here. It's not Twilighty. It's very much not that at all. So, and she's amazing at Adventureland. So, I find those to be a very small blip. When it comes to the, uh, her capabilities, when will we as a society let her and Robert Pattinson alone? <laughs> I mean, alone. People, are, people aren't going to Tom Cruise and be like, "Hey, risky business. You're gonna slide around in your fucking underwear." <laughs> like, people, you know, people were done that with is. that by the time of Interview with the Vampire. Like, let's let's let these people. They did they did their time. They got famous. They're very talented people. Let's. <laughs> 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 well, you know, there's some people who say otherwise, you know, like, you know, these movies really, they really shoved them down our throat, you know. Um, well, these are the people that haven't, you haven't gone out, like, I hear a lot of shit about Bob Pattinson being uh, Batman, and it's because they don't realize how amazing this guy is as an actor, good time. Yeah. Um, no, he's great in that, the yeah. Lighthouse, I mean. Go out there and see the work. Don't judge someone on something from fucking 2008 for Christ. Over. Well, some Twilight came out and people were like, you know, it's just not fun when you have a thing like this, okay? It's not fun. It's not fun anymore. No, so they ruined the fun. That's what happened. But I stand alone as a man who believes in both of them. And when you put Eisenberg and Stewart together, I like the chemistry. I, I mean, I love Adventureland. It's one of my favorite movies. So. Uh, yeah. So what else did I watch? <laughs> things about stuff and society you know it's a, <laughs> i did i wrote it down but i like to fuck around sometimes uh 
I got great news for you, though. This is huge. Huge Walk news. Brown, ready. School time. I finished Heaven's Gate. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Now, what version it are we happened. talking about here, Michael? Three and, and a half hours? Hour? Oh, yeah. The, the, the epic. The whole enchilada. You bit in. All right. What'd you Remember, think? I told you, I watched okay. the, I have the original one with a half hour, 45 minute. I'm at college fucking around. Our life right. is great. That's the version I watched. If John Hurt was never in this movie, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Seriously. That's probably true. Like, I was hoping, okay, there's going to be like this two guys on different sides, but there's going to be much more of them. There's, there's nothing. He's just a drunk who fault. And that's a point, too. Like, hey, I'm just a rich baby drunk, and here I am. I could see that, too. I, I appreciate that. But well, uh, What do you think, Mike? Did it, did it meld into you? Can you appreciate it on... Not just yeah. the cinematography level, but for the great work of art that it is from a legendary filmmaker. I can. I see your points, and they're valid, and it's a very honest film. It's genuine, and all the... Going back to... You know, we're talking about with Twilight and shit. Again, these stories, these myths, and these narratives that build up about films in Hollywood, and this is clearly the one that, you know, changed the system forever, and... You know, United Artists almost went bankrupt. And How did you do with the two-hour-long roller skating scene? Well, I do admit I may have fast-forwarded a little yeah. bit through that part. That so. seems awful. Yeah, that, part. that is awful. Garbage. I definitely was clicking forward on that part. <laughs> no lies there. There's no excuse for that scene. Like, there's just no excuse. No, but the fact that, like, uh, you know, we got immigrants who are trying to survive. It's just a timeless American tale, which unfortunately is very relevant fairly relevant to today yes and, uh, and i really love that like uh, like the the historical accuracy of it the idea of like all of these like rich elitist like like ivy league types being like all right i'm gonna go prove my manhood out in the west now and they go out there and they have like these wild fucking times and like have all this this like life-changing stuff and then i'd love like not to ruin it for those who haven't seen it but i'm not like no spoilers but the end of the movie to see like where where chris christopherson ends up and you're just like it's just like you know, it's just like three and a half hours. You get there, you're like, "Fuck!" It's I also amazing. didn't know you could live that nice on a yacht in 1903. I was like, "Wow, it's not a bad life." I didn't yeah, know yachts yeah. were that advanced at that time. <laughs> Great type shit, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, yeah, it's. I, I I just wasn't in the mood. I guess the first time I watched it, but I finished it for you. Right. I made Thank a promise you, to a friend many Bless moons you. ago, Bless and I saw it through to the end. Uh, speaking of other Chris Christopherson films, I watched. He's just not that into you. Which yeah, Chris <laughs> Christopherson is in. I forgot. Now, I don't remember I saw, even if you say this. He plays the father of Jennifer Aniston. Spoiler alert: has a heart attack, and it bonds Jennifer and Ben <laughs> Affleck together. Very yeah. very very yeah, powerful. Back to me now. Wow. Uh, I saw this movie in the theater and I liked it. I did. And I watched it again and I still like it. Now, there's no black people in this movie at all. It's a cast of like 50 white people and that's bad. That That is not holding up immediately. But there's a very positive, well, even the, so there's a whole, it's in Baltimore, which I like too. It's based in Baltimore. So that's always fun for me. And This movie's not that great. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> walking yourself through this one <laughs> yeah right give green time so there's like this guy works for the baltimore blade which is like the uh the gay magazine the lgbqt magazine of baltimore and even when they try to give screen time to like gay people in a homosexual audience they fuck it up so no it's just trash it 
trash. What year is this? Because I was watching Best in Show the other night, and while you know Michael McKeon and John Michael Higgins are hilarious, it's just like classic, like late '90s, like representation <laughs> of what gay men are like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dated. Uh, this is 2009, so a little more yeah. recent. And they had the fucking guy who doesn't exist now from uh, Entourage, the little guy, Eric Connolly. So, I'm like, oh, remember that guy? Yeah. He doesn't exist anymore. What was it like negated from ex- existence? Well, he doesn't. I haven't seen him in a movie uh, or anything recently. Correct. Was he used and he was just working? <laughs> That's right. His eyes turned black and the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, and anyways, you know, that's uh, no, no. Uh, I watched uh, Jackass 3. That was fun. So if you haven't watched a Jackass in a while, it's always a good time. It made me laugh and it yeah. gives me a laugh whenever I need it. So funny. We got Jackass 4 coming out and they're old and sober now. So what are they going to do? Like, fucking like slip on a banana peel or some shit? Are they, there's a, they're doing a four? I thought there's after a four. Yeah, died, you know, they were like, we're done. Four. It's coming. Okay, great. You know, I saw, I remember I saw funny. three. It was 3D, Jackass 3, 3D. And remember when everybody was obsessed with like slow-mo photography when 3D and like 2009, 10, 11, even fucking Nolan did it in uh, Inception, which I love, but there's like that, remember the scene where the first dreaming with Ellen Page and all that shit's exploding around him. It's like, whoa, that's mm-hmm. cool. So there was this advance in photography. Good for them. Anyways, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's some other ones I watched, but I think I want to use them as... um. Uh, possible targets for the show, and I don't want to give them away right now. So, right. I think how I'll... many? How many starred Reese Witherspoon? Uh, zero. Zero. Oh, oh, so okay. one of them starred Nick Cage. And, oh uh, shit! Yeah, another one of them. In fact, three of them that I watched ended up being focus feature. This is a focus features movie yeah. that we're about to talk about, and I was like, wow, focus features was on fire in the two thousands. Yeah, all man. These movies I'm thinking of were in the aughts, and they Fuck. they were killing it. But twenty one grand. That's one of the movies I watched. Oh, shit. I got to you. That was impressive. on my list as well of uh, uh, my list of movies. I would love to see it again. And also, while, to, we're, yeah. while we're bringing up Reese Witherspoon, uh, real quick shout out to, to, to Jessica Campbell from, elec- from Election uh, was lost last oh. week. Rest in peace. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, we, we enjoyed it. We watched her on the, I mean, we watched that movie recently on the, on the show and enjoyed her performance extra. And we, <laughs> Talk, we talked about where where did she go? Was she she gone on to become uh, I believe like some sort of bacteriologist, some, some sort of doctor, um, and that's what she wow. was doing when she when she passed away. So that's the uh, rest in yeah rest in power, Jessica. Wow, that's a shame. Yeah, well, you, she gave us the performance. We'll always have you. That's what's great about celluloid is it gives us these forever yeah. moments in time. Yeah. All right, don't forget uh, if you've watched movies that you want to watch and maybe talk about. Email us, cinema9pod, protonmail.com, or DM us on Instagram or Twitter, or whatever you feel like doing, you know, uh, comment on the Facebook page, the listener's choice. We're still battling it out with our game of selection, so don't give up on that. Remember to keep it on the same thread. No shares, no repeats. It's got to remain in a singular thread. Correct, Travis? That is correct. It's very important that you do that. All right. Please don't share our material on the social media. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa. Someone say No, don't. <laughs> Guys, whatever you do, don't share with other people. Keep this as quiet to yourself if you could. Shh, secrets. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time. This is Eric Branstrom's choice. It's called The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hi there. Hi. I saw you sitting over here by yourself. And I thought. Thank God. Someone normal who doesn't know how to interact with these things either. Yeah. I don't ever 
never know what to say. I'm Clementine. Can I borrow a piece of your chicken? And then you just took it without waiting for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was so intimate. Like we were already lovers. I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. So, no jokes about my name. What do you mean, like, Omidar, then Omidar, then Omidar, and Clementine? Huckleberry Hound, that sort of thing? Yeah. No. Like that? No, no, no jokes. No jokes. One of my favorite things when I was a kid was my Huckleberry Hound doll. I think your name is magical. 2004 film directed by Michelle Gondry and written by the one and only Charlie Kaufman starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet as the main stars of this film with the co-star uh, galore of Tom Wilkinson and Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and Kristen Dunst. So, uh, I don't know where to begin here. Let's begin how we always do. Let's take it back in time. This movie, it, we were all in our 20s when this movie came out. So, we had lived a little bit of life. We'd been burned a few times. We've had some sadness, some relationships, I'm sure. Travis, did you see this film in theaters or did you catch it on DVD later on? I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I, I'm honestly not 100% sure, but I, I know I, 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 this is one that I absorbed. Like I, you know, I practically got it tattooed on me. You know, I mean, I really, <laughs> really, uh, I really bit into this one and, and made it part of me. Um, did you go around saying this? Why do I fall in love with every woman I see who shows me the least bit of attention? I mean, there there were parts of Joel Barish um, that spoke like they, they seemed like they were written for me. Mm. You know, um, I think that was true for a lot of guys my age at that time. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it you know it, it very much was a, an emotionally resonant movie for me, and I uh, I held it very important and close to me and watched it a lot. And yet at the same time, watching it on the night before last felt um, both really familiar and also I'm like, what the fuck is Kirsten Dunst doing in this? She's in this movie? Like, I just like no recollection of Kirsten Dunst being in the movie. I had no really? recollection of Elijah wow. Wood being in the movie. Like, I remember Ruffalo, but like, wow. I just had zero recollection of like those, of that B plot that was like, that takes place in the movie. And uh, so, I guess so it, had, it had been, yeah, I mean, well, it had been a while. Like, it came out in 2004. I watched it a lot for probably a good five years or so, but then I haven't watched it since, so. Wow. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Oh, I wish I could forget that he's in that movie because he's creepiest in this movie. Creepy as fuck. I'll give him that. Patrick, baby boy. What an asshole. Uh, Eric Branstrom, you chose this film. I have a feeling yeah. you saw this in theaters. Wow. This was a, this was a wild uh, experience. So 2004 is historically the worst year of my life by far. I, like, I live completely inside my own head. I somehow go from like a total extrovert to a complete introvert. It's still that way. In just a handful of years, this happens. So I've got isolation and loneliness, dissatisfaction with my place in the world. And I'm comforted by these movies where the main character is also miserable. You know, miserable loves company. So if I watch this and I watch uh, Sideways that year, I feel cozy. It helps me feel less alone. So when I walk out of the theater in 2004, I weep in my car for like 20 straight minutes. And I really don't know why. Uh, and that's what this movie does for me. It it, it helps me relate to these circumstances, all right? I can't understand them most of the time, but I can absolutely relate to them. And it makes me feel a certain way. Uh, I was surprised how I felt on this recent viewing, so I'm uh, looking forward to talking about it. Wow, that's a... Uh... 
It's very honest. We appreciate that. That's very powerful stuff. And 2004 was a year of transition for me. I remember that. It was some good times that I had. And I lived in Charleston, South Carolina that year. That was fun. But I definitely didn't see this movie. I was kind of out on my own, trying out some new things. And I didn't really go to the theater at all in Charleston that I can recall. Except, except of course, Travis, for when I saw our favorite movie, Something's got to give by myself in the theater. That's the one one thing I remember about the theater in Charleston, that movie. I don't think I saw many others. But uh, I saw this uh, a couple years later, really. Everybody was talking about it. Constant chatter about, oh, turn up Which we know for you means I'm I'm not going to fucking watch that movie then. Yeah, Yeah. particularly in my 20s, I was very much like, fuck that. Yeah, so I I, uh, contraired immediately and uh, continued. And eventually I saw it on DVD, I think around 2010-ish. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. I was like, I felt it was a pretty, pretty impressive and powerful film. Spoke to me in ways that it would speak to other people. Not just Joel, but, you know, the whole relationship thing and, you know, trying to forget and move forward. Everybody, everybody, like, you know, I feel really bad for Kirsten Dunn's character in that time too. So yeah, that was my experience. And since then, I uh, it wasn't something I put on like repeat for sure. But uh, as far as the IMDb score and taking a look at some of the critics' ratings, anybody, I have not looked at the scores. I'm going to say this is a very, very <sighs> beloved movie. I'm going to say it's like a 7-8. That's my guess. That's exactly the number in my head. I'm going to say a 7-8 as well. I'll say, let me, yeah, I'll say seven, eight, two. I think you guys like, nailed it. <laughs> Did we all see it? If we, if it's no, seven, we, eight, we all just saw it. We, what is it? <laughs> Actually, it's an eight point three, even higher. Oh my god, that's elite territory. Hell yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, over nine hundred thousand ratings too. That's Woo. this is a lot. People obviously have a connection with this film, and yeah. there's something about it that Gondry and Kaufman's script, obviously. I mean, people love Kaufman. This is coming off adaptation too, right? So that, that was why I like that was why I was quick to see this one because I had you know uh, adaptation had made a uh, had made Kaufman famous, and this was this was his follow up to it. So people were the peak. Yeah, people were were on it. Yeah, but I remember when. <laughs> I remember the night Eric came into the dump and was proclaiming that adaptation was life affirming. I can never forget it. Being in the kitchen at the dump that night. He was just so excited about it. Mm. 2002. Uh, 93% on the thermometer, 94% from the audience. So a dead heat, beloved, overwhelmingly. I don't know why anyone would criticize this movie at this Are point. Are there any negative reviews? You look at this, it's just a lot of red tomatoes, my friend. Uh, there are an occasional one. There's a... <laughs> I don't there's 13 pages. So that's kind of high. Again, uh, we had the 15 page yeah. one recently, which was the highest I'd ever seen. So a uh, film threat says the reality is that Hollywood is such an idea. Poor place. Kaufman. What is this English? That's what it says. The reality is that Hollywood is such an idea. Poor place. Kaufman tends to get more credit than he deserves for work, which only occasionally rises above the level of mind games and showy sleight of hand. No more reading unedited uh, <laughs> reviews on the show. Yeah. They, they well, what an before they post. Yeah, I mean, it's on Rotten Tomatoes. It should be edited. These people are idiots. Not cool. But generally, it's well-received. I mean, you would expect everybody to be like, yeah, woohoo, yeah, this movie changed my life. Oh, my God. It's so honest about relationships and yada, yada, yada. You know, what can you say? What I mean, am I wrong, right? Isn't this the greatest movie yeah. ever made? Is that all we're going to say about it? Is that the end of the episode? Yeah, I thought we were done. We're wrapping it up. So actually, I'm look, I'm trying to find Destin Thompson. So I'm kind of vamping here, but oh. you know, talking about reviews, we have a 
overwhelmingly positive slate. Look at this. Top critic from Slate himself, David Edelstein, says, this is the best movie I've seen in a decade. For once, it's no hyperbole to say, unforgettable, exclamation point. And this is from 2004 when it came out. So. I think a lot of that is, is the is well, I don't know if I'm going to say the fact, but in my opinion, it doesn't have a lot of, or if any, plot holes. You can't really criticize it on a story level and definitely can't criticize it on a technical level or your performances. So there's really nothing you can say about it unless you're bringing your own maybe negative experiences to the table and, and, and projecting them onto the picture. Ooh, but what if what if you find the picture to be a negative experience in and of itself? <laughs> and it's not the, it's not the movie's well, I don't know. Maybe it's not the movie's fault, but but that but that that sounds like a pretty subjective statement. Wow. Well, Roger Ebert says that despite jumping through the deliberately disorienting hoops of its story, Eternal Sunshine has an emotional center, and that's what makes it work. Three and a half out of four stars from old Roger. It's that emotional center, despite you know the chaos and never know, maybe not knowing where we are at some point. I mean, we're in some type of memory that gets you know jumping through memories. It could be very confusing, and I, I do find that what he says there is kind of true, that despite yeah. not knowing where you are at times, yeah, you know, it does have an emotional center that's very powerful. Uh, real quick, Terry Lawson from the Detroit Free Press says, what's lacking is what the movie is ostensibly about, the heart that so often leads us to fall in love with the wrong people at the wrong time. So it's lacking that. Um, lacking okay. heart. Okay. Yeah. Well, Terry coming in hot. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't find Dustin. By the way, guys, I'm sorry, Dustin. Dustin, if you're out there, you listen to the show and you have a review for Turtle Sunshine's Problem Mine. Uh, please forward it. I mean, and I brought a protonmail.com. Thanks. You could, you could argue that it's about meeting the wrong people at the right time because it's all about life experience and what that does for you in the long run gives you wisdom. Blah blah blah. Is it? How so? Yeah. Is how that what so? it's about? I'm not saying that's what it's about, but you could argue. Really, I think that's one. I think of the it'd be awesome. Elements. If that's what if that's what it was about, that sounds like a very powerful and important movie. But I don't know that that's what it's about. Well, I mean, think, I feel like you're going in a different direction, which I might be. Well, no, it's, it's I, I'm not ready to. Um, I'm not sure that I'm ready to unpack that. I just feel like Eric is making these statements that are kind of, um, ex- like I don't I don't think this movie's above reproach. Okay, let me let me. That's where I'm oh, going. Sure. I I I. I, I there's there's there is stuff to think to criticize in, in this movie, and obviously it's an extraordinarily well made movie at the same time. And you're right about the performances and the technical uh, proficiency at the same time. So like I just um, I don't know, just uh, got some feelings, and we'll unpack them as we get going. Okay, that was Eric Branchcom esque what you just did there, Travis. Very good. I think that we should talk about. Do we always know what's happening in this movie? Because on my second watch here, I became more confused than I was the first time. And I'm trying to keep track of what's real and what's not. And does that even matter, though? Is that the, That's not the point of this film. I know that. But I found myself getting more confused trying to keep up with, did they get back together? Are they together? What's happening? I really don't know. I, I was lost. I was honestly lost by the end. And it kind of just left me, what's happening? And I got caught up in that a little bit more than I thought I would. I thought it was actually handled pretty well. Um, the I, I could see where one could get lost, um, but for for me, like because up until um, the credit sequence, up until Beck's cover of the Corgis, uh, everybody's got to learn sometime, which is one of the best covers of one of the. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just gorgeous. 
Um, but everything up to that moment is what happens. The second meeting, right? The, 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 when they actually meet in Montauk. And so it's actually like towards the end of the whole experience, right? So that's everything up until there. And then like we get the credits and then we, and then we get the beginning of the thing. We get basically him learning that she's deleted him from her memory and he goes and, you know, goes, gets the same thing done. And we get the whole, yeah. whole thing. We get like the whole, the whole enchilada. And then, uh, then, and then we come full circle towards the end and we pick up where, you know, where we had left off basically with like after their, their second meeting, um, and then, like you know, actually figuring out what's going on with their life once Kirsten Dunst has sent out the the um, audio tapes. Yeah, and they give you kind of a visual companion with Clementine's hair because every time her hair is blue, it's oh. in what you know you could I guess you could call like the real world. And when she has different colored hair, that's when they're in Joel's head and he's trying to protect her from the extraction. Which, by the way, Blue Ruin, uh, I, that must be a, a Jeremy with Solnier reference. Like, that must be where he got that. Because, like, there's no, that word, that phrase has not come up in that movie once. It's easily right. It's, it's from uh, Tom Waits' song, and they show the Rain Dog CD. Oh, it, is it from Rain Dog? Oh, okay. That's cool. Is that true? I, I don't remember which uh, lyric that is, but I believe you. How am I not in I don't know. Look, so did the beginning of the movie, did that happen? Did they meet? Yeah. On Montauk at a party or singularly alone no, 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 on a no. day off? No, no. So oh, the, yeah. uh, initially, when they originally the went back in the day, which we, which we see at the end of his, uh, you know, like memory, because we get the relationship in reverse. This movie's a lot like mm -hmm. Memento, and mm -hmm. not just that it's about memory, but that we're seeing the story in reverse. So we get like the end of their relationship first. This is the last time I saw you. And then they have like this hellish fucking whatever. Uh, and then by the end of the movie, we, we get the first time they meet, and that's, that's the big party at Montauk. And then, you know, then she goes through the same experience that he does. This is, this is something I've always loved about this movie is that the, the her that he's interacting with in his mind, it is, of course, him, right? It's just his own psyche that he's interacting with. But, she, you know, but they decide, meet me in Montauk, which means that she goes through the same thing just a night or two before when she, when she goes to delete, delete him, which is really beautiful. Yeah, there's some inception in this movie. They're projections of your own consciousness. That's, they're not really those people. So. Yeah, maybe that's some, where Inception got it from. Well, you want to talk about? I mean, there's a. For me, this I was thinking about Tenant a lot while I was watching this because I'm like, this is a mind bender that's actually fun to watch. And then when I watch Tenant, I'm just like, fuck this. I'm not even really that entertained. Um, but you talk about you bring something interesting up because this is something, and I was going to get to it that that has kind of always bothered me a little bit about the film. If, if I make it into it early on. Uh, the fact that Clementine seems to have gone through the procedure without any protest kind of never really sat that well with me um, because I it, it makes it hard for me to get into their romantic relationships in terms of them being soulmates. I don't like the fact that she wanted to go through it, went through it, and that was that until Joel stepped in and tried to, you know, do his thing and get them reunited. Well, so that was kind of a that that was a big impression I had on this viewing that I don't think they're soulmates at all. Uh, I don't, no, you know, not not remotely. In fact, like I like like the other reviewer, I think that they're quite wrong for each other. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was left watching the movie wondering is is are they is the movie saying that you know relationship like you're gonna be you're gonna be miserable in your relationship, so you might as well be with who you love, or is the movie saying that relationships all just cause misery and we make the choice to be in them anyways. Like I was kind of like, this is like some really kind of bleak 
stuff. Like, like, like the like the the movie itself is incredibly sad, and yeah. which I've always felt that way. But like, but I always felt like the ending redeemed it because they get together. But in this viewing, I'm like, I don't think that they should be together. Oh no, and no, they, they know it. But they, I think it's about you know taking a chance uh, and being in the is. moment for sure. And that's why they get emotional when they both say okay at the end. Okay, okay. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the that's saddest true. part for me. It, if I may, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I like: "Let our hearts break, provided they break together." And that's essentially what they're doing: is they're, they're you know, they're breaking up together like twice in a row, and it's it's heartbreakingly sad. But it 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 I I, I like the the impact that it makes in terms of just living in the moment and doing what you feel in your heart, right or wrong. What about the message in this film that you may be connected to somebody without knowing <laughs> that you've been manipulated <laughs> into it? You know, I think about Clementine and scumbaggy Patrick, what he's done to manipulate her into yeah. kind of being with him, even though it doesn't work out for him, which is good. I'm glad that goes that way. But there's more to it than, than that. I, there are other ways to manipulate people, and you can find yourself connected to someone and sometimes not really know why that is. And I think there's a real there's a real lot of deep. This is a deep end here where this is going on in this film, and it freaks me out, too, to a certain extent. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean. When it comes to a Patrick character, he's this dipshit like what, like twenty-one-year-old kid. So yeah. being, trying to manipulate someone for love or lust—that's one thing. What really bothers me is the Tom Wilkinson character. Tom Wilkinson character, and I never really thought about it until this recent viewing. He pushes Mary into deciding to, you know, delete the affair. He doesn't go undergo the procedure. And yet he says, we decided that this was the best thing to do and makes her undergo it. And it really fucks her up. Yeah, it does. That's true. And it's, he, but then there he is again, back with her. He, I know he gets called into the situation. And, you know, are they saying that despite our best intentions, we still get attracted to the same people over and over again, too, with that situation? You know, because he, now she will know the truth. And it, unless she gets her memory erased again, she will not have that happen again. But. She had it cleared against her own will. So that's why it didn't take because deep down she still had this passion for him. Yeah. I mean, who we're attracted to, I think that that tends to, I don't know that a lot's going to change that. Like, I mean, if, if she hadn't undergone that, I mean, she was attracted to him initially without ever having had right. some sort of experience that she didn't remember. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like the, the movie, um, as you know, I went through a, a pretty serious breakup, a very prolonged thing in my life over the course of the past year and whatnot. And um, this was not a movie that like I would have voluntarily sat down to watch with all of this having been recently in my life. Um, but maybe it's good that I did in a way because I also kind of felt like um, watching it before or maybe it's just the fact that I was so much younger the I overlooked a lot of things in for in the sake of romanticization that I wouldn't that I didn't do this time. Um, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that mm -hmm. like uh and and so it affected me really differently. And I don't know if that's like intentional on the filmmaker's part or not. Um but yeah uh it, I think that like I think it's really easy to maybe read the movie wrong or at least read it in a way that like um, it's just like yep yeah, love is hell and that's beautiful and like ugh god that's toxic as fuck because part of the movie to me seems like this is about a toxic couple staying together yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it totally is. It, it, it absolutely is. In okay, fact, that's why I'm more interested in talking about the other characters and their relationships or their stories in this film. Cause I don't, I don't fucking care about Clementine and Joel. I don't. They kind I of no, suck. Yeah. Uh, I have no interest in them. They turn me off. Both of them. Nobody yeah. is. Yeah. They're both equally guilty in this situation. And I, I found myself dick, like bonded. by the end of the film. I found myself like not giving a shit. I'm dead serious. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never liked the Clementine character. She admits that she's impulsive, like that's some sort of an excuse for constantly like devaluating Joel and just kind of being. Um, I don't, I don't, like I don't, I don't want to throw an adjective out there. He's but, passive but aggressive as fuck. Oh, he's I mean, the thank you note in the beginning. Like the, someone's gonna get to the car and be like, even if they had done it, they'd be like, thank you for. What like what? <laughs> but also, I think Joel is cruel. I mean, he's cruel. Like he's like just quiet, and then he doesn't really talk. And then she'll try and like be like sweet, and he'll just like say just the worst, most hurtful thing. Right. Like, when she's like, she's talking about being kids. Like, you really think you could be a good mother? Like, what the fuck? And also, yeah. this movie like makes for some really uncomfortable watching because, like, as someone who has been in that kind of relationship, like that 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 kind of arguing to me, it feels like actual hell like if i go to hell it's gonna be like this ongoing relationship fight that i just can't get out of and we're just talking past each other and like those scenes in the beginning of the movie are just like Ugh, i just can't i can hardly even fucking do it um and so part of me oh is God, man. Like, it's easy it's easy to, to like be like oh this is all so sweet when you watch the relationship in reverse and you get to the beginning and there's all this promise yeah, like, yeah that's, that's you're then you hear those tapes at the end that they both fucking talk shit about each other and it's like they exactly. yeah they really don't belong and, and joel means that that shit about she fucks people to make them like her he says that to, to wilkinson like that's not just a barb that he throws at her to be mean like he right it. Yeah, he 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 comes yeah. out with all these little things of you know she's not a book reader she's the type who reads magazines he's an elitist asshole in his head yeah, even yeah, though he true. outwardly tries to look to other people like oh I'm just nobody but inside he thinks he's right. the shit on certain levels certain but they levels. get to this point where like and again like too close to home please turn the movie off they get to this point where it's like everything he says annoys her or everything she says annoys him and every touch that he does annoys her you know what i mean like mm -hmm. just every move that either one of them makes it's just like irritating like rolling their eyes at the dining dead right and it's just like oh god like this is just excruciating yeah it, you know we're talking about the eternal sunshine of a spotless mind on the cinema nine pod here and if you've ever seen this movie i hope you know what we're talking about because there are so many facets of this film that you could dive into and it is powerful it probably does trigger people you know because it does seem like Kaufman almost wrote this out by listening through someone's like wall or something or like an apartment next door. He heard some people arguing. It's very true to life what they're doing and they're not for each other. So that's why I don't care. I see it clearly now. I'm, I'm older now. Maybe that's given me a perspective because I don't remember exactly feeling that same way the first time I watched it. Yeah, that, that was my thinking, too, is that age kind of changed my perspective. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Because yeah. sometimes those aren't true. That's why there are cliches. You get older, you get wiser, you learn from the things you've done, you, the people you've dated, and you're like, wow, that was a terrible idea. And sometimes you think you love, I know this for a fact in my own life with 100% clarity. I love someone crazily, but I looked back years later and said, whew, boy, I dodged a bullet there. Man. I, I did. I know. I can see. This was like 12 years ago. I was like, wow, I lucked out, man. And I, at the time, I, it was everything to me. Right. 
I mean, I, I think the movie is sweet in its scenes where they're whether where it should be because I mean, the the romantic and sweet loving scenes are that uh, romantic rose colored glasses period. That's the first thing in their lifetime, and I mean. In a perfect world, we would get, like you said, Travis, a look into Clementine's head and you might have some opportunities for them to, I don't know, maybe actually lay out their grievances and try to meet each other in the middle. But all we have is Joel getting the benefit of this Clementine avatar helping him through his shit. We don't get to see her perspective. Yeah, that's true. But we do know that I mean we know that she went through something similar because she goes to to uh, Montauk on on Valentine's Day, which again this is so this is a Valentine's Day movie. Oh, all right, it's a Valentine's. It is Day. A, yeah, I thought that's why he picked it because we were getting well, we're not at Valentine's Day, but but we're I don't yeah, know. I think that was we're in the ballpark. Uh, and and they, bread, they take it, they, they make a crack about Valentine's in the beginning. I mean, it's a common crack. By the way, I I, I double checked and like the, the, it is not a uh, holiday made by the Hallmark Company. It goes all the way back to ancient Rome. It is a very oh. very old holiday, which I kind of thought that. There, but um, yeah, so the, dead wrong, Joel, and your snotty, supposedly yeah. knowing things. Um, Eat so shit, I, Joel. I, yeah, I had a thought as I was watching the movie. Maybe Joel I, too. <laughs> yeah, I had a thought as I was watching the movie. Um, what uh, what? Now Hollywood wouldn't do this. They wouldn't make this movie. That's why no. it didn't happen. But like, I'm, I, I imagine watching. Like, there's this point that happens in the movie where like he suddenly realizes, like, hey, I want out of this. I want out. And he changes his mind, right? Yeah. And like, and from that point, they come up with the idea, like, hide me in different memories and stuff. And it, and the movie takes like an interesting turn at that point. But like, part of me is like, what a healthier movie this could have been if the whole goal, like, po- point of the movie for him f- is to learn that like. That, that, that like you can't like the, the, the loss that we feel the pain that we feel is proportionate to the love and joy that we felt and to try and to delete those things from our life is to delete our whole life um so like th- to make the lesson th- to make the lesson of the movie to be about the importance of heartache and and depression and pain and like how that can actually improve you and make you better and have it have nothing to do with Clementine getting back together with Clementine, none of that shit, but having the movie being about coming to the realization that, that, that emotional pain actually serves a very crucial function in our life. I'm like, what a, what an incredible movie that could have been. And, and if I had internalized that, not to blame this movie for all the emo shit that I had, because there's all kinds of stuff I could go back to and blame besides that, like the cure and Afghan wigs. But I was always someone that like romanticized uh, emotional anguish. And and I think it's shit like this that kind of helps me do that. It helped me do that. And maybe other people too. They like validated it, encouraged yeah. it. It, 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 it gives you a chance to uh, an opportunity to ruminate in it and, and see it reflected in a way that is uh, visually appealing and even entertaining and quotable. And you can connect with other people on it. Right. <laughs> that's, and that's like, why it, movies are so powerful. Right. And that's why it's so important that we have equal representation in film because okay. they, they, Films project our lives in a sense, whether we want to admit that or not, they do. And people look up to movies, some more unhealthily than others. And in this case, you're right. This, yeah, the, maybe not this movie for me, but for this one's for you. There's other movies I can think of that were like, oh, why did I you know, put myself into the shoes of that person? Like it was me and validate it further and drown myself into the sorrow and the negativity. And I also think this movie does a poor job of like, 
any kind of recognition of mental health issues that these people are going through. They, like there's doctors involved and stuff, but there's no mention of any of that. They don't, but they don't want to go in that direction with this film either. And the doctor's a quack anyways. I mean, he's not like, Oh, a he's doctor. a doofus. Yeah. But you would think maybe some people would go see some regular doctors and psychologists or psychiatrists to talk about stuff first. And that would seem to be actually a pretty important part of this movie for these types of characters. But what the hell do I know? Yeah, I don't know if, again, I don't know that 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 level of emotional growth makes for great movie watching, but I think it would have been. I don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, I'm just like spitballing here. Same. Yeah, same. I think they intentionally uh, steered away from the direction of that and more into just kind of like uh, a quirky type of thing. I mean, this type of technology in this rinky dink office with one. Uh, like like two employees in, in, <laughs> in these little mailer cards you send out to people. It's being think, John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, I think they went for the, like the Malkovich route where you instead of just thinking about it, you can relate and laugh with it and have fun with it. Um, Whose hair did you like better? Uh, Ruffalo's hair or Cusack's hair in Malkovich? <laughs> I like Ruffalo's hair in this I one. Do. I do. I, I dig Ruffalo. And Ruffalo, Ruffalo. the character, I'm curious about him. He seems like a good guy. Um, I like the, I like seeing him getting smacked down when he honks the horn. Which what are you going to do if you're in that situation? Like he honks the horn to, to to interrupt them, even though he likes the girl. He's like trying to help her out and like and help his boss out. Like yeah, it's a terrible situation. Then she comes and smacks him down, and he also like he has it coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but he's obviously a dutiful worker for the uh, doctor or the quack, wherever the fuck he is. But at the same time, he. Do you really believe him when he talks to Kirsten Dunst's character when she's got the box and she's leaving? Like, did you really know? And he's like, no, I swear. I don't know if I really believed him because he's the guy doing like all the dirty work for this guy. There's nobody else. It just seems to me like a job for him. Like he's getting stone drunk and like partying while like extracting like litter. Like no. he's basically doing futuristic lobotomy. I see that more while, for like, getting stone fucking around. I see that more for Patrick than him. Patrick's the one who's really fucking around. No, if you start I, to look I, at the levels of fuckery, I agree with Eric. I think they're both fucking around. I'm mean, like he, he's he's the more technically like astute dude. But um, he's still like hand me a beer. Like this is just like he's bringing like the girl over that he likes and stuff. He's okay, fucking around. Like, he, he's dancing around in his underwear and shit and drinking the guy's yeah. food. He like, shocked me. Yeah, he shocked he, me he's when uh, around big time. when Patrick says he stole her panties and I then Ruffalo's like, oh, how could you do this? And then suddenly they start laughing with each other and that shocked me. I actually didn't remember that because I thought Ruffalo continues to admonish him, but then right. he joins him in the laughter. I was like, oh, this movie man. came out today. He would be like, "What the fuck, dude? Let's grow." Yeah, yeah. Immediately. Oh, yeah. absolutely. No um, doubt about it. But yeah, instead, instead, like pretty much every character in this movie kind of sucks, except for Kirsten Dunst, I would say. Well, uh, I'm glad you brought it up, Travis. Uh, tell me, sorry, I, I hate to cut you off. Oh, what no, no, what do you sorry. like about the character? Because I, I've got a big uh, problem with one of her choices. Yeah, no, I mean, I just found her like, I mean, she's, uh, you know, I just found her kind of believable in her um, admiring of an older man who's like uh, intelligent and like, she's not attracted to his body. She's attracted to his mind kind of thing. But at the same time, as I was watching it, like I feel like she's, and this is maybe an unfair thing to say, but she's like, I think she was like too fucking famous for the role. Like they needed somebody like it's almost distracting that she's like so famous and like this, like third, like kind of like, like B roll character. It was just kind of like, it seemed like it could have been someone like, Amy Adams at that time would have been perfect. Like she was kind of just getting started. She, you know, she was fresh off of catch me if you can. Uh, so she would have been a recognizable face, but not like, Hey, it's the woman from who kisses Spider-Man, 
You know what I mean? Like, that's oh, that, didn't, that didn't bother me at all. But I mean, I, I admit that's nitpicky, but like it just seems like it just seems like she should have a bigger role. I don't know. I so, thought she I thought she did a great job in the role that she had and she maximized it. It never bothered me that it was her or anything. And I don't know if there's a another underlying thing going on here that people don't like her as an actress or not. I'm not sure, but I, that, I, I, I like her as an actress. I just found her distracting in the role. Go ahead, Eric. I I was only distracted by her unmerciful beauty uh while I was trying to tell <laughs> the story. But I mean, for me, the end of the the movie when she um, when she blows it for for everyone and and gives out the tapes and essentially disassembles Lacuna, I mean she thinks that her experience is superior to everyone else's, so uh, she has to. Yeah. I just didn't. I, I I've never liked that part. I granted she's you know probably a like twenty five year old kid and emotions this and emotions that, but. Uh, I would have been more pissed about it if I knew what the fuck was going on at that point. I'm like, I'm lost. I truly lost. And they're listening to these tapes of each other, which I know are real, but I'm like, is this happening now? Is it not? I, did, I had no idea. I just didn't yeah, care yeah. anymore. I really Every, didn't. Everything, like like Eric said, everything with the blue hair was happening. Th- them date, like them meeting in Montauk, Montauk singly alone, that happened. And then she takes him to the Charles, because she's trying to like recreate the experience of the Charles River. Like that's why she takes Elijah Wood there. And then like it doesn't go well. So she's like, meets another guy the next day. And she's like, I'll take this guy. Let's see if it works with him. And then it does. Um, so like, yeah. So like all that stuff is actually happening. Beats me. I have no idea. And I didn't care anymore. (laughs) And as you know, by the time I'm supposed to keep track, it's like paint by numbers. Like, yeah, what color? Okay, hold on. Wait, what color does she have right now? And I just don't think that was something. I think it's cool. (laughs) I think it's cool that they did that, I suppose. But But were you, but Mike, like, like, sorry, but like, you did like enjoy watching the film. The mind bending stuff and the fact that you were kind of confused didn't just make it a chore for you, like something like, excuse me again, but like something like Tenet is just was exhausting for me because I, I came to just not give a fuck, but yeah, maybe, if I'd watch Tenet, maybe if I'd watched Tenet and then watch this, I would have been like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have that. So currently watching this film and I understand what Travis says when they try to jump from memory to memory that I was like, okay, I see what they're doing and their baby Joel's getting a bath in the sink and yeah, all right, we'll hide in this memory and they won't find us and I can keep you a part of my psyche forever and I got that part, but then there was just a certain point where suddenly I'm like, what's real and what's not? And I just couldn't put it back together. I really couldn't. And at that point, that's when I started to lose interest. And like I said, by the time I got to the end, I didn't give a fuck. And I was like, turning this off. I literally said out loud, who cares? I did say that. So the whole idea of like um, the friends, like David Cross, like social contracts and lying by admission. If you get a card like this, are you going to tell your friend that he's been erased or are you going to, you know, keep the dream alive and let this shit play out? I mean, also, can you imagine like being their friends and like they get back together and you have to explain all this shit to them and be like, yeah, you like I've been like, like how fucking frustrating for that couple. But- <laughs> yeah, you know, right, those, David Cross, even the small roles still made me laugh. When he's oh, yeah. building the birdhouse. I'm Enjoy. sorry. Dear. <laughs> I also, and on the same, I just, I was very happy, you know, this Thomas J. Ryan, who plays uh, Henry Fool. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. I that's who that is. I remember. I, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like you're just getting it. 
I, I had the exact opposite experience. The first time I saw this movie, like, like you hear his voice, and immediately I'm like, "That's yeah. fucking Henry Fool." Yeah. <laughs> not, I'm like, it's, it's not Chris Parnell. Who the fuck is that guy? Damn thing about it. Yeah, Mick Romance. Mick Romance. I was like, is that Parnell? Is that Bruce Thompson? Who the fuck is that? Henry Fool. I immediately had the same reaction, Travis. Like, there he was. Holy shit! Good to see him. That voice. But he, yeah, he's got that voice. And yeah, the social contracting is actually pretty interesting, Eric. I'm glad you brought that up before we ended the show because I, I wonder what I would do myself. And I also feel for a man who's supposed to be friends. If him and Joel are supposed to be friends too, and this guy's in agony because he has no idea. He walks up to her. He loves her. Yeah. Gives her a gift. She doesn't know who he is. And then he, she kisses another dude right in front of him. That I mean, that... Let's look at that for just a moment. That's pure <laughs> agony. That's torture. That's, oh my god! That I I give it a lot of credit for. I'm like that is just so God. I can't. I don't want to live that experience. But if he's feeling that tortured and clueless, he deserves to have a hint eventually. So I, I think I do side with Cross's decision. Do you think that if this service existed, people would use it? Yes. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah, and what does no, Yelp and what does their Yelp score look like? <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, every time I watch this movie, we, one, of the, one of the things that I think of most, and, I, and this is because I'm a dog lover, is that woman that's sitting next to him with her yeah. dog stuff. And I'm like, who? Yeah. What kind of monster would want to delete the dog from their memory? That was like that whole fucking like, they, like, like too painful. Too painful, it, man. It's too painful. So yeah, I think people. I think people would. Do use this option as well, um, but I don't think they would be very happy about it. No, the it's classic. Like the intention um, is pure, but then think, it doesn't work out how you think it would. Yeah. Um, so thinking of this movie in two thousand four, this seems like so perfect for Jim Carrey, right? Like even though he doesn't do a ton of dramas, even in two thousand four, like this is one of the ones that one really helped tip him in that direction. And I and like I have a really hard time imagining anyone else in this world who could have done this. Wow, yeah, it's a tough one. Well, I mean, I think uh, you know the Truman Show gave him that shove too, right? And, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. And Man on the Moon, I mean, for for sure, like he he'd been and he'd already done uh, the the Majestic before this too, so it's not like he was a stranger to drama. But he but. truly doesn't do he doesn't do a single like carryism in this movie. He truly doesn't, and this he still does that Truman action. Show. And, yeah, <sighs> which by the way, I watched the, the, the you know him and Gondry uh, reunited for that show Kidding on Showtime, which I've watched yeah. the first season and it's really really good. I, oh, I haven't gotten wow. the second season yet, but I loved that first season. I thought it was I great. would concur on that as well. Correct. I'm glad you uh, that up. I don't. I don't uh, you ask us on the off on the spot here. I don't know. I mean, I'm well, sure there's somebody right. who can fill this role, but he does a great job, and he he deserves the praise. Well, let's and look at some of uh, Charlie Kaufman's past his cohort. Nick Cage, John Cusack, no. I think they can all pull it off. No, no way. <sighs> that, that's gonna, I mean, these actors, they change the characters anyway. Kid I guess there was a lot of improvisation allowed on set. And I think a lot of the personality of the the actors comes through. So they could they would have probably made it their own and not necessarily yeah. on the screen. That could that could be it. That could that could speak to why the role seems so perfect for him because of so much of it is him, perhaps. That's true. But he was going through a, a really dark depression uh, before he say. filmed this. And <laughs> Michelle Gondry, fucking guy, literally tells him to not seek help until they're done filming the movie. So, ew. Yeah. Well, you know, the this is definitely like his standout because you look during that period. I mean, Bruce Almighty. I like Bruce Almighty. That was fun. Movie, but... Number 23. Come on, number 23. Number 23. Uh, I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a good one. That's funny. Fun with Dick and Jane, anybody? I don't know. Majestic. I like, I like fun with Dick and Jane. Yeah, the maj- see, he does the majestic, and to me that flopped. Uh, I never even oh, saw it. I and actually turned that one off. Sucks. See, he turned. Yeah, yeah, and then he does this after, and this is like, wow, okay, he's got it, and he could have gone anywhere with this, and it kind of just didn't. I don't know. It could. He could have kept doing even more dramatic and powerful roles like this, but maybe he chose not to because he likes to have fun too. I don't know. Hollywood's a fucked a, up world. I think so. it was a pivotal uh, moment in his career because I, I think it kind of put him in this place since where like he hasn't really, we haven't known exactly what to do with him as in the, as an audience, I think since to be honest. I mean like, cause I'm like, I loved him in Sonic the Hedgehog and I think that he's good for stuff yeah. like that. And I we think love, we love yes, man, Travis, you and I, and, that yeah, works love, yeah, well. yes, and he's actually kind of depressed in that movie. He's kind of got a little bit of Joel of him in that film. And, and, and he does in kidding as well, which is, is, is again, as we said, really, really great stuff. Um, but yeah, like it's, but like the, maybe it's just his career, you know, Hollywood kind of ebbs and flows, but like, it seemed like this was a bit of a high watermark uh, for him. But Kate Winslet deserves all the praise too. Even if you don't like her character, that's what proves what a great actress she is. She she admits it so fluidly. I watched Little Children, like I said, a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking about that movie and this movie, and those are both, I think it was 2006, so same time period. And she, she's so good. She's probably the best actresses of the last 25 years. She really is that good. I would, I would say that clearly. the running, I, I agree with you that she's in the running. I mean, like I, she's a strong actor. She, I mean, for she's me, not flashy or anything. I, you know, I she's not. Me, but but yeah, I agree. She's pretty great. She looks Parker like a, a, a Parker Posey, right? There you go. You just she think looks, Parker Posey's attractive. That's not the same thing as being a great actor. Exactly. Exactly. That's Kate yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about looks. <laughs> Kate Winslet gets dinged. I think, I think, in my opinion, that because she's not like this super beauty, I don't know, you know, she's she's a good looking, beautiful woman. She is. She already is. But you know what I'm saying in the Hollywood aspect of like, you know, Charlize Theron is like a beautiful goddess physically. And she's also a great actor. Incredibly talented actor at the same time. Incredibly talented. But Kate Winslet to me is just that classic hardworking actress who will do anything in the vein of Meryl Streep. I really believe that. I, I think there is a fair comparisons between the two of them. They'll jump into anything and they can almost fit into anything and not make it about them either. I think, that's a, I think that's a really uh, good comparison. I'd, I'd throw uh, Kate Blanchett into that mix too, in terms of being yeah. just incredibly uh, talented and could do just any role. Yeah, I agree. When I saw Silkwood, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I can see Kate Winslet doing or Kate Blanchett doing it. And I think Kate Winslet deserves a lot of credit for this film because she could have done Titanic and just fucked off. And mm-hmm. but she dug down into her career and she did roles like this. And I think she said this is like one of her personal favorites of all her roles. So I'm glad that it worked out this way. But we don't shit. We're talking about this movie a lot. Uh, any final thoughts? Because it's about that time, gentlemen. It's about time to come to a decision on this one. And I have no idea this is going to go because nobody's, really go first, did, nobody's revealed their hand. So no, you, you need to go first then because you're always making one of us go first so you can choose, you can like pick afterwards. You should go first this time. I'm happy to go first. <laughs> and for the record, I have gone first on this show. I can show you the archives. Uh, you don't need to show me. I already know. Okay. Um, right, I would look. like to say one thing that we didn't address um, that, that deserves heavy praise in my book is the score from John Bryan. Um, yeah. John Bryan's, oh, I mean, like he, he's, he's a fantastic composer and he had, he had a real moment uh, in the early two thousands. Um, but I think, I think, I think he makes the movie work in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's a, the steady thread running through the movie. That's just so 
um, competent and, and pretty. This is a pretty score. Um, so yeah. I'd like to give him a shout out before we uh, wrap things up here. And it's it's fun. It, it's buoyant. And it's not, I mean, you could go a lot of different ways to score this film and th these thematic elements. And he keeps it buoyant and fun. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, this is a lovely is score. Right. You're right. I'm, I'm glad you said that, Travis, because uh, if we had left that out, I would have felt really bad. In particular, I like the guitar picking uh, little part when they're on the beach and stuff like that. And things are happier. That's mm -hmm. fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's, he hits like some really good emotional notes without it being uh, overwhelming. But and it's also what it's one of those scores that it's just there through the whole fucking movie. Like it doesn't go away hardly at all. Uh, which that, that that doesn't always lend lend itself to good work. But no, you're you're right. God, I was just thinking about that about another movie recently. I wish I could remember what it was. Shit. Anyways, well, well John Bryan does Magnolia score, and that mm -hmm. conversely, that's one that's just constantly yeah. thudding and thudding throughout the entire film. It works, but he can do he can not have to do that and still go up with a gorgeous piece of work. Yeah. Well, he also did uh, I believe he did I Heart Huckabees, which is a not lot more of a like a normal kind of you know approach <laughs> to scoring. Oh, Huckabees. You know, we gotta talk. <laughs> If I may, I'd like to talk maybe just 30 seconds about Michel Gondry because I gave him some crap about his behavior on set. But <gasps> his his choice to do all this practical is mind-blowing when you start looking into it. You've got characters walking from set to set. It's all in camera. There's very few CG effects, just maybe the cars falling and some of the, the 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 houses and stuff on the beach falling apart, but mostly they're going from set to set during these uh, elements in the mind, and it's all practical and fucking it looks awesome. Clearly, Michelle Gondry, genius, legendary. Well, he's not legendary, but he's be a fine rewind. filmmaker. Be kind of remind Mike, you a fan? Actually, most deaf, Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time, actually. Sure, I remember not, so remember not loving it. Yeah, exactly. I remember not loving oh, wow. Whatever. I, I always like most deaf. I I thought he was going to explode, but I have not seen him in probably since Be Kind Rewind. I think I remember mostly they remade a Robocop scene in that film. <laughs> and that's why I liked it. But otherwise, I didn't care. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, do you want to know? Bottom line, guys, you all listen to the show, everyone, to find out does the film hold up or not? A Michelle Gondry film starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet. You know, <laughs> I was very confused by the film. But is it fair to condemn a film because you're confused? I don't know if that's fair because the intention is good. The artwork is outstanding from all angles. And um, even the, you know, it's based in New York, which always annoys me. But hey, that's fine. I shouldn't get caught up in that. I, I think that this film, I think that it holds up. And I really didn't think I would say that. But I think it holds up because... It makes you think it's thought provoking and this could go on for generations. Uh, what's going on here, whether you agree with whether they belong together or not, or they're annoying and all the other details with the ancillary characters around them, whether that matters, that might not matter. But you could watch this movie in 2035 and be like, oh, shit, and think about it and talk about it with people for hours about various angles of it. So to my surprise, this film holds up. Wow. Who's that? Uh, do you want, do you want to go? Or do you want me to go? <laughs> I'll go. This is a this is a, a, a imaginative, wholly original uh, piece of work. In my opinion, one of the best 
uh, of the 2000s. It's, it's got not only so many things to say on its own, but as we've talked about, so many elements that you can bring to the table based on maybe your own pain, uh, maybe your own trauma, your own romantic experiences uh, that hopefully you've grown from uh, like I have. Um, one of the quotes I think Kirsten Dunst says in the film from Nietzsche is, blessed are the forgetful for they get the better even of their blunders, which is a beautiful way of saying that ignorance is bliss. And a lot of times that oh is very true. Uh, but for me, I think, um, you know, it can also be a detriment. So when you look at a, a picture like this that threatens to take away things that are important elements of your life, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something to think about. I absolutely think it holds up. I think it's a beautiful film. All right. All right. It's on me then. All well, right. the jury's in, but yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I don't really need to, if you guys both said it holds up, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Come on, Travis. Let's hear I gotta it. I got to be honest with you. This is, this is um, one of the harder choices I think I've made on the show. It stands out to me um, the way, um, well, I don't want to. I mean, like it stands out to me as one of the one of the ones I think I've had a harder time than average um, deciding whether or not it holds up, um, because as we have made abundantly clear, this is an accomplishment of filmmaking. There's there's incredibly good acting, direction, editing, lighting, like the music, um, like every step of the way. There is above average filmmaking going on here and i think that anybody that's never seen this movie is really missing out on as eric said uh, like uh, one of the major films from its era i think it's an important movie um i also think that as eric said to echo you a little bit um, i think that what you bring to it is going to drastically affect your feelings on the movie more i mean oh, this is this is true of all art of course but I think maybe some art more than others. And um, I think that this movie, as well made as it is, kind of does some... I don't know how to phrase this. It, it, it kind of makes some points and kind of like leads you to these places that I think are borderline... I don't want to say dangerous, but um, not healthy for for people like me um personally and um so so this is a very personal feeling that i have in my in my uh assessment here so lack of accountability that, right? yeah bear, bear that in mind you know of course my opinion is my own um but you know and i'm coming to it with my own shit but i think that um that if you've seen this movie before that you don't need to go through it again. And um, if you did, I don't think that you would get a ton necessarily out of it. And as the movie wore on, I started playing a video game on my phone. Um, so I'm going to say this movie does not hold up for repeat viewings. And the way that Memento, um, you know, I want to put it that special Memento class, which is to say it's an important and good movie that everyone should watch, but I don't think it's something that you need to revisit. Well, yeah, if it, we're talking repeatability, no, it doesn't hold up. But you need to, if you've never seen it, you have to watch it. 
Well, I'm, I thought that. I mean, for me, I, I, again, like we, we, the the goalpost is always shifting on this fucking uh, issue, <laughs> like uh, yeah. what the definition is. But for me, like it, I, the, I, the, I approach this as I wa- watched this movie at some point in my life and I loved it, and now I'm watching it now and seeing does it hold up for me? Do I still love it? And the answer is for me, no. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys don't like my my input here, but that's that's how, how I, I that's how I feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. No, I think you're right. Really about I, what we do. I think you're right, because uh, I, I, you were playing a video game. I was on my computer at the end of the movie, ignoring it. Same way. And so, so you want to change your answers? Then? You can't change it, Mike. Oh, I can't. <laughs> you lied. We've in. already been You can go. You can change your you answers. Tell me what to do. We've already I, been over it. You can change your answer. We've oh, can it. I change my Cloud Atlas answer then? Because that does not hold up. It's boring. As okay. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll put a post more. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> it should be in the same episode, but that's fine. Oh, we, that's true. Well, you put it, Travis. You put it so well, and yeah, when you put it in the that you just did, I completely agree with that. I, I don't want to watch this movie again and again and again, and it does belong in the memento class. So maybe we should start having classifications <laughs> and like stratospheres of movies belong over here and here. And here's a categorization of this holding up really? yeah. with this caveat, and this one holds up only depending I mean, on this. One. There's so many ways. The does it hold up question is a binary question, yes or no. But I do think that there should be the memento class, which <laughs> is like uh, everyone. It's a good movie. Everyone should watch it once. Yes, I mean, maybe twice. Take a look. Remember how we all thought the game did not hold up, and we we right. said that because at this point in time we don't really. Th- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm not sure we thought that that movie deserved the acclaim we gave to it in 1997. So that's also cut out what I what I do on these verdicts. Yeah, I thought a lot about the game um, as well watching this because, uh, or like since sense watching this because like the game like when you when you announced the game i was like fuck yeah i, fucking I love the game so and then I'm like, oh, it turns out i hate the game and like I, I did the same thing with this like i was like fuck yeah eternal sunshine that is some classic american <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies and i'm like i was already like sit down and be like this movie's genius oh, and and i just like you said i was i was surprised i it wasn't what i thought it was anymore, and it's I'm, it's surely me that's changed, not the movie. But I think I've changed for the better, and I think that that's why I don't like the movie as much anymore. There you go. I think that's great. I think this is the mental class. Completely agree. I don't ever want to watch this movie again. I have no intentions of ever seeing this film again. But if you've never seen it, go see it. Check it out, and then find out for your own. Because that's kind of like my rule for everything. Maybe there might be exceptions, but... You know, see movies. Hey, Check them out. Ten years goes by, Trash, you're an old man. You could turn this on and feel completely different about it. And if I'm in a podcast with you and where I'm forced to watch it again, uh, then I might perhaps <laughs> do that. There's uh, millions God. of movies, but for some reason we're doing the same movie again. <laughs> Does it still hold up? Oh, oh no. 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 Redoing all of our- yeah, we redo it. The game, total masterpiece. <laughs> we still have 20 listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, I don't know how we came to a conclusion on there necessarily. We'll listen to this after the fact. But I will tell you this. We appreciate you guys listening to the show. Cinema Nine Potter Program. Class of, of a quali- we created a whole new qualification, apparently. That's we did. Thing. Yeah, this movie. Well, at the very least, we can all agree this movie is thought-provoking and ignites conversation. So Cinema Nine Potter ProtonMail.com. Did you watch it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you with Travis saying, you know, this isn't a... Very specific category all in itself. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on all the standard social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and yada, yada, yada. And 
Did you cry sure. in your car in 2004? Send us an email. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget to uh, keep playing our game of selection for listener's choice. Next week, we will reveal, uh, we'll do our Monday night. Are we ending it on the Monday and doing I, our I, thing? I think that we'll have an, I don't think we'll need to do a special session. I think we'll have an answer for, to record when, when we record next week's episode. Oh, well, I like our special sessions. So. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, it's uh, time for me to choose a movie, right? It is. It's that time. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I had a few floating around. I, I got them written down that I was thinking of, and there's been a list accruing over the last few months that we've started. Everybody should know that as he vamps and talks right now, he's actually making the choice. As he That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I've had prepared choices, yeah. but this time uh, I've, I've had a few written down. He's, I actually he's scrolling through Anna Ferris's film. I had, one in, <laughs> I had one in particular that I actually think is locked in. I just want to make sure that I feel right about it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to do a movie from the two thousands. Again, we're staying in the two thousands. Uh, we've avoided the nineties for a bit and it's an interesting film. <laughs> it's directed by someone who did some great work in the nineties, um, but then kind of disappeared. So we're going to do interesting 2002's the rules of attraction. <laughs> Oh, oh God! I knew that was coming wow. eventually. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Oh, fuck! I was afraid of this. You were hey. afraid of this? Okay, I what? just scrolled past it like a few days ago. I'm like, fuck! I know we're gonna have to fucking watch that again. <laughs> well, uh, you know, oh my God! So many quotes. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, oh, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. To be honest God. with you, I, used, I mean, I certainly wore it down. Back in the two thousands, no doubt about it. But oh yeah, I mean, I, I watched it. I watched it so many times in the two thousands. That soundtrack, though, it's been a good decade at least or more. Fuck, has it been that long? Okay, well that's well that's good. I'm, I was hoping maybe there'd been a, a period, a lull, maybe uh, where Bri uh, Brian Madison, if you're listening, send us an email so you can relate your Shannon Sossaman true life encounter. We would love to uh, read it on the show. It sucks, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a little teaser for you for next week. That's right. We're doing the Rules of Attraction, directed by Roger Avery from 2002. If you want to play along, you can watch it over the next seven days, and then we'll talk about it a week from now on the show. And then we'll also have our listeners' choice revealed by then. Uh, I don't know when it's ending. When does it end? I mean, that's why I started it kind of early. Like, it doesn't have a specific end. It's whenever the game ends. So Maybe it never ends. Is it like the, the game, the moving? And at the rate we're moving, it should be done by next Thursday. So Yay! Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, interesting episode, to be sure. And we always welcome your input. And we'll be back next week with uh, Rules of Attraction. Should I change my mind? That's why I want to talk about this movie. I don't know what it's... It's a different time. So we'll see. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>